This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. fans and welcome back to podcast with Statsman and Asia. That's RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods as always is AJ Scholes and you can follow AJ at AJ20Scholes24. I'll say that, spell that, it's ajscholz 24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the 11th week of the NHL season. As always, our aim is to identify the most added and dropped players as well as the new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. But before we do that, we're inside the 12 days of Christmas, and I always look forward to these days where the number of gatherings with friends and family is on the uptick and the sports calendar is full. In fact, right after this pod is up on the web for your listening pleasure, I'll be on my way to the Air Canada Centre in Toronto to take in the Leafs' 100th anniversary game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Boy, I wish they could have at least been scheduled against an original six team. Oh, well, it's all supposed to be about Toronto's franchise moment today. As long as they win, the opponent is not critical, and you know I'll be happy, AJ. So uh, how, how are you doing anyway, buddy? I'm, I'm great, Paul. I'm right there with you. I love the holiday season. Uh, extra exciting as it will be Sydney's first Christmas. Uh, so she's probably going to get spoiled by her grandparents, but that's what grandparents are for. Uh, I'll, I'll, I do want to make one uh, an additional plug to our listeners to consider joining into the holiday giving season by donating to my efforts to raise funds in the battle against ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, you can find that link pinned to my Twitter account. I'll continue to tweet it out periodically. I really appreciate all the support I can get uh, towards finding a cure for this horrible disease. Uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, partner, let's go through the 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two. Then we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolved just as we said they would, among other stories that have cropped up. In Anaheim, for instance, despite the red cross that should appear beside their logo this year, the Ducks are rolling <laughs> along right now, collecting points in each of their last seven games. Getzlaff is rounding back into game shape and has collected points in his last two starts. Ryan Kessler's back at practice and looks like he's ready to suit up. 
And Ryan Miller must be wondering what he has to do to get more work after allowing only one goal over his last two starts. That just shows the commitment to John Gibson as the top goalie here, though, in my opinion. Well, Miller didn't do himself any favors last night, giving up four goals against the Devils, although a lot of clubs have given up uh, some pretty significant numbers to the Devils. So, uh, you know, I, I think he'll probably see a few more starts down the stretch as they try and rest Gibson up for the postseason. Uh, but look, Ryan Miller knew coming into this team, he was the number two uh, you know, barring injury. He knew this was John Gibson's team. That's what he signed up for. And so I don't think his expectations should be, uh, you know, uh, you know, undermined here in the sense that he, he fully expected to be the number two here. And they'll give him some more starts, as I said, towards the end of the season to get Gibson ready for the postseason. But I think he's getting exactly what he anticipated at this point. In Arizona, Brandon Perlini has been getting a long look on the top line, but he was down to only 11 minutes of ice time in his last start and has only one point in his last nine starts. I don't think he's long for that position. Similarly, at the same time, Tobias Ryder is not returning any dividends despite top six minutes in his last six games too, so look for a change there. I'm thinking Keller is one candidate for more ice time after snapping out of a three-game slide. His minutes are up and he's collected points in his last two starts. I also wonder if trade rumors are getting the better of Oliver Ekwin Larson. He's gone pointless in his last eight games, along with a minus six rating. It's been an awfully long time since you can say he's been off the score sheet for that uh, kind of uh, time period. Yeah, and and the thing is, he's not doing himself any favors, obviously. If it is getting to his head, he'd be better off embracing it and saying, hey, let me audition so I can end up at the best team possible out there. Um, but yeah, as you highlighted, no points in his last eight games, which is, you know, as I said, not doing him any favors. You have to wonder if uh, Jakob Schirchern's return has somehow affected that. Uh, he's been back for six games, just two points for him, uh, not doing a, a whole you know ton on his end either. So, you know, really, this is a team that has struggles throughout its lineup and a couple of guys that are supposed to be, you know, almost blue chippers on that on that defensive core just really haven't uh, lived up to that expectation. Yeah, true enough. Maybe they're getting the Arizona flu. Nothing seems to work down there. (laughs) Absolutely. In Boston, the bees have cooled off a bit lately, but are getting healthy with the return of Adam McQuaid bringing all hands on deck. A key to their recent success is simply having Bergeron and Krejci back to anchor the top two scoring lines. Both have been very productive over the past two weeks. Uh, and on defense, Zdeno Chara, at 40 years of age, AJ, is still playing at a high enough level that he is in trade rumors as well as the subject of contract talks with the Bees. I thought he was done, but it's pretty clear that he's not. No, yeah, and I'd be surprised if they traded him. I mean, rumors obviously can abound as they will, but uh, to trade a guy that's been with your franchise for so long, I think would be quite a surprise uh, you know, to, to make that move. And on the back end, everything's clicking as well. You know, Tuka Rask had that little stint uh, on the bench in favor of Anton Kudobin. Uh, since then, he's got just one loss in regulation, uh, six wins and one overtime loss there. His goals against average is down below two over that stretch. So everything's working for them. Now, Kudobin's going to go tonight. And he still can, you know, uh, you know, stayed consistent despite, you know, being relegated back to that, uh, you know, uh, backup role 
Uh, did have a pair of bad outings, gave up four goals in each. But again, on the road against Nashville for one of those and playing at home against Washington for the other. So you're not really giving him a whole lot of games where you anticipate a good outing anyway. In Buffalo, Jack Eichel looks motivated once again and has nine points in his last seven games. He does want to be the change in Buffalo, apparently. I can't say the same for Sam Reinhart, though. He's got only one point in his last 11 games. In fact, he's only got 11 points in 33 games this year. You need much more than that from the second overall pick of the 2014 draft. Wasn't he the guy who only did one chin-up at that season's draft combine? Maybe it was a telltale <laughs> sign after all. Uh, some teams are also inquiring about Robin Leonard, who's been a workhorse in goal uh, for these guys. He's uh, kept a lid on the goals against, limiting all comers to three goals or less in 11 of his last 12 starts. That's yeoman work. He's 26, and I think the Sabres would be better served to keep him in the fold and be another part of the change now that they know he can handle a heavy workload. Yeah, that's an interesting situation uh, in the the Nets there. I, I think they will keep him. Uh, if anything, I think Chad Johnson maybe could end up somewhere as kind of a veteran stabilizing force. Um, but you never know uh, when you're trying to rebuild. Maybe maybe they like what they have in Linus Olmark. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I think one of the biggest problems with this team that we've highlighted all year long is the blue line scoring. You've got a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen who's supposed to be way more productive than he has been. No goals, just nine assists. They have two goals from their entire blue line core, both of those coming from Jake McCabe. And so this is obviously, in my opinion, the biggest symptomatic problem of this team. And it's not going to get any better until those guys can start chipping in and take some of the pressure off Eichel and the forwards. In Calgary, we've been having a season-long disagreement about Mike Smith, you and I, AJ. My serve partner, how about nine goals against after his last five starts? How about his 261 goals against average in 29 appearances while all other Flames goalies combined for a goals against average north of four? I'm also intrigued by Michael Furland, who seems to be entrenched as a running mate to Gaudreau and Monaghan on the top line here. He's already notched 13 goals and is going to smash career bests very soon. He's one of several physical wingers with enough of a scoring touch combined with what I call puck hunting skills, who complement top scoring duels elsewhere around on several of the other clubs in the league. Hey, Paul, you can make stats show whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you look at the wins and loss column, in his last seven appearances, Mike Smith has just one win, two overtime losses, so getting a couple points there. Now, granted, to to your uh, you know to your point, it's not all on him. One of those overtime losses, he allowed just one goal to find the back of the net. You're certainly not going to put the blame on him. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at the win loss column, and it's just not there for Mike Smith. Man, you're you're holding firm to that dollar. I can tell. <laughs> In Carolina, I have to admit that I didn't expect Justin Williams to have enough left as a top six forward, particularly in leaving that role on a deep Washington club in favor of Carolina in the offseason. However, he's second in scoring here and primed to exceed his scoring totals of any of his last five years overall. So that's pretty impressive for uh, this 36-year-old veteran. And another golden oldie, if you want to talk about 30-somethings, is Cam Ward. Figures to be on the move at the trade deadline and has built his case on the strength of 10 pretty good starts this season in a backup role, including two of his most recent outings, both wins in the past week. That's solid work from two of the older players on an otherwise very young roster. Yeah, I I think that absolutely is going to happen at some point here, uh, that trade. 
I, I do like what they're getting uh, defensively out of a couple of their guys, uh, particularly Noah Hannafin. He's got six goals. That's more than the rest of the blue line combined, along with 10 assists. Uh, he's having a solid season now. He's not the guy we necessarily thought would be there. I think Justin Falk is who everybody had penciled in for a big year. He's got just seven points in 32 games, so there's some definite concerns there. But it's nice to see them getting at least a little bit of production out of a you know 20-year-old player that they really probably didn't anticipate getting quite the level of uh, numbers that they are. In Chicago, uh, Brandon Saad is another of uh, one of those abrasive forwards who is a nice fit in a top line role. He has uh, joined this group and looked primed to reprise scoring totals that achieved, he achieved in Columbus over the last two years. Kind of a breakthrough time in his, his career, but he's kept it up in Chicago. He's fit in beautifully with Debrinkat and Taves on the top unit uh, and has once again allowed the Hawks the luxury of building a solid second line around Patrick Kane. That continues to be a key part of the winning formula in Chicago, as the Hawks are currently riding another five-game winning streak. In goal, Corey Crawford has had a hot hand of late, too, allowing only six goals against in his last four starts, so things are humming along pretty good in the in the big city in the, in the mid- Midwestern states. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we can't we can't oversell what Corey uh, undersell rather what Corey Crawford is doing for this team. His last regulation loss came November twelfth. That's almost a, or over a month ago. Uh, he's had a couple you know disappointing outings, uh, four goals allowed against Dallas, but his offense was able to bail him out, uh, and he got an overtime loss, so still earning his team a point. Anybody that you know was quickly on the end of the Blackhawks run at the top of this uh, league is, you know, (laughs) worse for wear today, having said that. Now, granted, they're still in fourth place in the Central Division. They have a little work to do, but they're trending upwards, and this is a good team uh, that's going to consistently be in it, especially with Crawford between the nets. Exactly. In Colorado, the Avs are 3-3 in a stretch of games filled with the league's elite clubs, so good on them. They have to feel good about that. That trend will, however, need to continue over a similarly tough next two weeks. I have my eye on two players here, AJ. JT Comfer is getting top six minutes over his last 10 games, and I'm impressed by his shots on goal rate. Another guy who will get a similar look over the next couple of weeks might well be Vladislav Kamenev, a youngster who broke his arm in his NHL debut a month ago and looks ready to return to the lineup this week. It's, this is a team that's giving auditions to a lot of youngsters, and uh, Kamenev should take advantage of an opportunity where the club's actually not playing too badly of late. Yeah, I love Vladislav Kamenev. Uh, came over in that Matthew Shane, Kyle Turris trade, uh, one of the pieces that they acquired. He spent significant time with AHL Milwaukee uh, right here in my home state. 51 points for them last year in 70 games. This is a player that knows how to score. Now, he hasn't had, as you said, a lot of opportunities uh, at the NHL level quite yet. Still needs to adjust his game there. But if he can you know, get healthy and get up to speed, I absolutely think this is a player that will really challenge perhaps a guy like Alex Ker- Kerfoot or even potentially push uh, Carl Soderberg out. Uh, he has all the tools from everything that I've seen. In Columbus, okay, i got to ask a question. Hands up for everyone who had Zach Wierenski as the top goal-scoring defenseman in the league this year. He has three goals and one helper in his last seven games to boot. Uh, Beyond that, Oliver Bjorkstrand ownership rose on the heels of a nice week where he totaled one goal and five assists in three games, too. 
If, on the other hand, if you overrated Nick Foligno, I feel a bit sorry for you. He's locked into third-line minutes with only 13 points in 33 games played this year. It seems like this year is one of the odd years. He's all, uh, on and then off in a <laughs> year in his career, if you look at the ledger. He's capable of much more, but the hockey lineup is a meritocracy. You do more, you get more playing time. I'm going to wait until he warms up but before I buy in on him, AJ. In goal, Sergei Bobrovsky has been wildly and uncharacteristically consistent, inconsistent with four goals or more. Well, you can make it five in his last eight games. He got bombed again last night. Another short conference by his coach, too, in the postgame. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation, you know, what's going on there. Um, they obviously need to do something. Now, what that is, I don't really know. Uh, and a short press conference out of Tortorella is probably the best they can hope for because that guy's not going to pull any punches if he gets going. Uh, you know, I think one uh, aspect that I want to focus on on the front end, Artemi Panarin, just seven goals so far this year. It's not looking like he's going to reach that 30 goal mark as he has uh, the last two seasons. Now, he's on a seven game goal drought. But at least he's chipping in in other ways. He's got eight assists over that stretch. Two of those have come on the power play. So he's getting opportunities. And maybe this just reflects a slight change in his game from being more of a goal scorer to an assist provider. Uh, I'm questioning his ability to reach 70 points, as he again, as he did the last two seasons. I think he'll probably end up closer to 50, which is still a solid, solid season. But it does make you wonder if that trade uh, was the right move for Columbus at this point. In Dallas, Jason Spezza's minutes are up in the last two weeks, and he's been contributing more offense in that time to boot. I expect those trends to continue because he's one of only a few capable options beyond the top-line players here. On the blue line, Essa Lindell has made the most of his time alongside high-scoring D-man John Klingberg. This sidekick theory is working out very well as he's got four points in his last four games. Lindell shows flashes of that, showed flashes of that ability last year, and now he also carries a solid plus 10 rating. I really feel good about his chances to stay in this plum roll and return good value. It's one of very few top pairings in the league that features two good offensively skilled mates in a top tandem that I see around the NHL. LAJ. Yeah, it's it's interesting what their blue line has done and how they've changed it, especially with the long term absence of Mark Mathot, who is supposed to be kind of that you know defensive uh, offset for John Klingberg. Uh, they've managed to to figure it out without him. Now he did practice yesterday, although his long term prospects remain uh, out into the future, not expected to return. Uh, nearly uh, as soon as uh, I'm sure some people were hoping. Speaking of guys dealing with injuries, Ben Bishop hasn't won a game since December 2nd. Now, he hasn't played a lot of games over that stretch because of a back injury. He's only played three, sat out five. But you have to wonder if the losses, uh, two in the uh, regulation, one in overtime, you have to wonder if that's a symptom of a lingering issue. And maybe they need to consider shutting him down for a little bit longer, if only to just get him healthy. Kerry Lettinen has been serviceable in his absence. And so if you can ride Lettinen a little bit longer and maybe let that back heal up, I think Bishop will be better uh, for it uh, in the long run. AJ, and when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings, we've said a lot about the goalie tending situation, but it's looking very clear now that they're face, facing the prospect of getting nothing out of Peter Mrazek, who not so long ago looked like their goalie of the future. He's been clearly outplayed by Jimmy Howard, and his record has little trade value in the expiring year of his current contract. 
Also, remember at the beginning of the season, we had the Athanasio holdout. And, uh, well, he's been very underwhelming all season long. Five goals, five assists, over 22 games played, and it sports a poor minus 10 rating. He's now been relegated to a fourth-line role. Sometimes you have to tell your kids just to shut up and play, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a situation, uh, to your point, where maybe that, that layoff uh, you know, hurt his chances Maybe he's still bothered by it. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's hard to figure out exactly what might be going on there. I think overall, it's symptomatic of an entire problem with this team. Their goals uh, for is just 2.63. That's sixth lowest in the league. And conversely, on the other side, their goals allowed 3.19. And they're allowing a lot of a lot of shots too, upwards of 32 shots a game. So that, you know, a lot of the struggles are being placed on the goaltenders, uh, understandably and rightfully show, but 32 shots allowed per game. They're certainly not helping them in any uh, sense either. In Edmonton, we've ta- we can talk about the return of Cam Talbot and might be a sign that there are better days in store for this club. Uh, recent fantasy rosters trends show that many observers are betting on that as oiler skaters are being snapped up uh, in big numbers over the last couple of weeks. Milan Lucic and, and uh, Pugliarvi are mo- foremost among those being considered, in fact. Three guesses who their current center is. Yeah, it's that McDavid <laughs> guy. Yeah, that's who. As for that uh, Talbot return, this may be a good time and a good guy to target. He was the league's top workhorse last year, and I'm of the belief that the time away from the rink with his injury rehab has given this guy a chance to get refocused and restarted for his return as a, at a time when the rest of the club may be readying to find a better level of play. I look for big things from the Oilers in the second half. That's what I'm talking about here. Absolutely agree. And to your point, one guy that I would target – Ryan Nugent Hopkins, six goals, two assists in his last 10 games. Uh, he's logging almost 17 minutes per game in that in that uh, stretch. Now he's got the second-line center role for now. Leon Dreisaitl actually playing a third-line role. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dreisaitl maybe move to the wing at some point. Now they do obviously have a ton of talent uh, on the wings, which is why they moved him to center to begin with. Drake Kajulia, Patrick Maroon, uh, Ryan Strom in there as well. But I do think ultimately they're going to want to get Dreisaitl up there playing with Nugent Hopkins. I think a Maroon-Hopkins-Dreisaitl line gives this team a one-two line punch that's kind of hard to challenge anywhere else in the league. In Florida, a heavy workload may be getting to James Reimer to the top of his game of late. After his first five indifferent efforts following Roberto Longo's injury, Optimus Rhymes allowed only six goals in three games played last week. I've been a fan also of Nick Bukestad for a while, and I'm happy to see that he's now getting top-line minutes on the right wing here. He's returned good value with points in three of his last four games, and I especially like the shots on goal rate here. It's at a career-best three per game, so I'm uh, ready to commit to him for the rest of the season, I think. Well, a couple of players I'd consider committing to are their center tandem, the one-two punch, and it's an underrated one of Alexander Barkov and Vincent Chocek. Uh, over his last 10 games, you've got Barkov with nine points, that's five goals, four assists, and then Trocek contributing as well at a similar clip. He's got uh, 10 points in those 10 games, including a three-assist outing against the New York Islanders. This is a one-two punch, as I said, that's underrated across the league. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about these guys later when we uh, build out our DFS lineups for tonight. 
In Los Angeles, if you want to play Russian roulette with a player on this roster who blows hot and cold, Marian Gabrik is your guy. His five goals have been scored in only three of his last 12 games, and he now finds himself on the top forward line here. I've been much more impressed with Dustin Brown, who's cooled off from a torrid start, but now has six points in his last seven games once again and still sports a pretty attractive plus 13 rating he's formed a great partnership with a revitalized Anze Kopitar to shield the defensive shortcomings of whoever might join them in the slot currently occupied by Gabrick well the one guy that's going to get the shot right now is Alex Iofalo He's been a very streaky player this season. You know, we highlighted him earlier in the year. I uh, was having a decent run, but he's got no points in his last five games. And so maybe that's why they move him up here, maybe try and jumpstart him. You know, I, I think the question for me is the shots on goal. He's averaging just one per game over that stretch. So it's certainly not good enough. If you're in a slump, throw pucks to the net, get a little bit of puck luck and have one bounce in. Uh, so I'd like to see those shots on goal creep up for him. And so for now, I'm, I'm off on him uh, until he starts shooting the puck more. But maybe moving to the top line with uh, the guys that you highlighted will be the fix uh, for his game. In Minnesota, after a delay to his season debut, it looks like Charlie Coyle is finally rounding into top line form with eight shots on goal over his last three games last week. And the same can be said for Michael Granlund over a longer string of games. So the offense is in order once again. In the absence of their number one goalie, uh, Devin Dubnik, backup Alex Stalock has stood tall too, allowing only 11 goals in his last five games. I didn't see that coming. I wonder if anybody did. It seems they weathered the storm as Duby is along on their current four-game road trip and should be recovered from a lingering lower body injury. Well, another guy that just got back as well is Jared Spurgeon on the blue line. Uh, A nine-game absence. Now, he played a couple nights ago. Log 23 minutes, uh, so doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, affected by that too much. That included some power play time. Nothing to show for it yet, but first game back, I would expect him to continue to eat up big minutes for this club, get opportunities in both special team situations. Uh, and so he's a guy that I do actually like to use, uh, especially in daily. If you need those ancillary categories, if you need block shots, if you need hits, this is your guy. And then it's just a bonus when he chips in some goals and some assists as well. In Montreal, for those who thought the return of Carey Price would cure all the Canadians' ills, take note that they've lost four of their last five games with him on the roster, with their own lone win in that period coming in overtime. It's a telltale sign also when top performers like Gallagher, Drouin, and Galchenyuk ownership drops from one week to the next. You can also throw a Pacioretty into the mix of forwards who aren't delivering. He's barely on a 20-goal scoring pace so far this year, which is well off his career norms. Of greater concern even than all this is the lingering foot injury to Shea Weber, who may be shut down until after Christmas. I'm almost ready to shed a tear here. (laughs) Well, I would be pretty shocked by that. Uh, I I think one aspect of, you know, if you're trying to pin down what's uh, wrong with this team, you got to look at Paul Byron being a a top-line guy for them right now. Yes, he had 43 points last year in 81 games, but that was seems to have been a stark exception to the rule. He had just 18 points a year before. Uh, his best year prior to that was 21 while he was with the Flames. This is not a top-line point producer, despite what last season's numbers uh, show. I think what you're seeing here is them trying to put a square peg in a round hole, and he's better suited for, for a bottom six role. Uh, and until they can figure that out, getting Arturi Lutkin in back, 
at some point would certainly help this team, uh, but they're relying on scoring from guys who just aren't built for it. In Nashville, Kyle Turris now has 10 points in his last seven games to underscore his rapid acclimatization to Music City. He's already developed a productive chemistry with Kevin Fiala, a speedster who has six goals and three assists in his last seven games, too. You have to know things are pretty solid on the defensive side of the puck as well when UC Saros can step in as a backup goalie and record a 46-save shutout. So the backup role seems to be in good hands there. There's even good news from the infirmary where Scott Hartnell is going to re-enter the lineup, probably in a fourth-line role, and maybe some cameos on the power play. And key defender Ryan Ellis is aiming for a return to start the new year, so things are on the up and up in Nashville right now. Yeah, the one move they've made that I don't really uh, think uh, is a good one is moving Nick Bonino to the wing. It's not a role that he's familiar with. He's got one goal in his last five games. Now, to be fair, he had kind of stagnated before that, so trying to switch it up, I can certainly understand that. Um, but I just don't think he's best suited for a top-line you know, left-wing role uh, with Johansson and Arvidsson. I'd rather see Kevin Fiala there, uh, you know, uh, Pontus Aberg, uh, one of those guys, even Philip Forsberg, kind of a speedier guy there. Let you know, I get they don't want to stick Benino in a third line role, uh, but that's the situation that they're in, having brought Kyle Terrace over. Uh, and I just don't think him on the wing is going to work out long term. See, this guy knows his stuff, Bunny. Talk about penguins and ex-penguins. I'd be listening <laughs> to that, folks. In New Jersey, the Devils are unable to keep Marcus Johansson healthy as he's now nursing a foot injury. On the plus side, Brian Boyle has not only been a rallying point for his ability to play through leukemia treatments, but the big center is also producing offense with four goals and one helper in his last five games in the third-line center role. He's also worked well on a line with young Jesper Bratt, who has also been a consistent source of secondary scoring. It's no wonder this team's in the mix. And throw in the fact that Corey Schneider's in a nice groove, allowing two goals or less in five of his last six starts. And uh, New Jersey is is a legit contender for a playoff spot at the moment. Well, it'll definitely help if they can get Sammy Vatnin going now. Apparently playing against his old club last night uh, was a boon to him. He got an assist, which ended a 14-game pointless streak dating back to when he was still with Uh, with the Ducks if they can get him going as well you know he's got just five points on the year now he started the season off on injury so he hasn't played a lot of games but this is a guy that's consistently been up over 20 points the last uh, four years and twice in that stretch challenged for 40 he didn't quite make it there but he came close so if they can get him going I think it's going to even further improve this team's uh, you know outlook for the rest of the season I can't believe we're talking about a Devils team that's scoring goals, but that's the situation we're in. Uh, And if they can get solid net mining behind it, uh, this is a very dangerous club the rest of the way. In uh, Long Island, as we suspected, injuries to the blue line had resulted in moving depth defender into more prominent roles and has seen the goals against rise in the past week. Uh, Thomas Grice got a couple of starts last last week, in fact, allowing a total of eight goals against, so he fared no better than Yarrow Halak, who got a string of starts before that with middling results. Offensively, though, Jordan Eberle has been a consistent performer who's on pace for his best scoring totals in years. He might well be another of a growing number of players who perform better with, without being in the limelight of a bigger hockey city. Well, I just have to bring up an interesting storyline. You've got Steve Bernier uh, suiting up for this club uh, the other night. 
That's, That's his first, first NHL game since the 15-16 season. Wow. Uh, didn't uh, crack the lineup at all last year, and there was quite the hubbub on the on the you know wires about uh, about him returning. You know, obviously a lot of Islanders fans out there questioning this move, especially when they send a player like Josh Hosang back to the minors. Uh, I quite, I'm not sure about it as well. Uh, it was just an interesting point as they try and make some changes uh, to, you know, spark something outside of just getting their points from John Tavares. Well, you know, and Hosang is a guy who's been disappointing for a long while there. Uh, ever since his draft, he's had some issues. Got to get that sorted out. And I wonder if this is another slap in his face to try and shake him up into playing his best motivated hockey. Uh, with the Rangers, I lamented the lack of a top center uh, over the last couple of weeks here, but winger Matt Zuccarello has stepped up to be a spark plug to this offense, and he's led the way with a point-per-game pace in his last seven starts, peaking with a heavy 20-plus minute workload in his last outing. Similar, J- similarly, JT Miller continues to be uh, among the mo- club's offensive leaders while moving to different roles in the lineup it seems every week he has five points in his last seven starts and is currently centering the top line but that's going to change because they're going to get a boost the rangers are with the return of mika zibanejad who returned from concussion protocol likely in time for tonight's game yeah that's a, a huge pickup for them uh is really going to help their lineup uh in, in the top six you know he's probably Arguably one of the best players on their team, if not the best player uh, in, in the forwards on their team. Obviously, I think the best player on their team overall has got to be Henrik Lundqvist, who's looking as good as he normally does. Now, he's had a couple of down games, but four wins in his last uh, six outings at 2.34 goals against average. Uh, so having, you know, uh, in my opinion, one of your best uh, forwards healthy, having your top netminder and one of the best in the league firing on all cylinders is a team that's poised to challenge in a very, very difficult but also very competitive metropolitan division. For comparison purposes, while we noticed tourists uh, thriving in Nashville, Matt Duchesne is still struggling in Ottawa with only one assist and six shots on goal in his last four games. That's hard to believe when he's surrounded by Stone and Ryan on the wings on that top line. Another scoring center who struggled even more here is Derek Broussard. He snapped an ugly 20-game goalless streak last week, finally. And I really like the offensive upside, on the other hand, of one Thomas Shabbat, uh, who has seen his playing time dwindle to about 10 to 12 minutes. It looks like he, they, they might like, the Sens might like really to move him off their roster and to find a place for him, whether it be in the minors or, or back in junior, if that's possible. It doesn't make sense to limit the minutes of a big talent that needs some seasoning here. Well, and further problems for this team, you've got Eric Carlson with just three assists in his last 15 games. Perhaps more, even more concerning, concerning than that is his minus 15 rating over that stretch. He's got 49 shots on goal, so it's not for a lack of trying uh, that he's coming up short, but just can't seem to find the back of the net. His power play time over that stretch is up over four minutes. So the opportunities are there. He just hasn't been able to convert. And we've seen this out of all of the top defensemen this season, including Burns and Victor Hedman. That's an excellent point, AJ. Wayne Simmons in Philadelphia, who's produced five points in his last six games, has been moved up to the top line. Jakub Voracek, in, in fact, uh, on the flip side, has been dropped out of the second line. It's not a slap against him. It's the fact that he's got 33 helpers on his ledger, and they're hoping that 
this swap swap is designed to make Voracek the playmaker on that second unit, which now features Michael Raffle, who's found his game offensively in recent games. Six points in his last seven starts, in fact. Val Philpola rounds out that second unit, which is not looking like now looking like a pretty good scoring line uh, that might take some pressure off that top unit. Uh, last week, we highlighted the goalies and the defensive fortunes here. That aspect seems to have been stabilized for even more with the return of Andrew McDonald to the top D pairing. This guy's not a big scorer, AJ, but he has posted only one minus rating in his last nine games. And a lot of that has to do with what they're getting on the back end. You know, you can't rack up minuses if your goalie's not allowing pucks to find the back of the net. Now, Brian Elliott got the loss last night to Los Angeles, uh, a four-goal-allowed uh, outing. But prior to that, had won six consecutive uh, and was really firing on all cylinders. I do think part of the, the reason that maybe uh, you're seeing that loss is the number of games played. He's played in eight straight. That included taking both ends of a back-to-back on the road uh, against Edmonton and Vancouver. Now, I get that Michael Newberth is injured, and they're waiting for him to come back, which should be somewhat soon. But I would have expected them to at least give uh, youngster Alex Lyon a look. Uh, but apparently that's you know not what they want to do. As soon as Newberth can come off of IR, I expect him to take a game, maybe one that's not even a, in a back-to-back, just a normal everyday game, just to give Brian Elliott a little rest. I mean, he's sat out just one game since November 9th. Uh, he's played every single contest except one over that stretch. And so I think some time off would probably do him a little bit of good. You know what? I haven't brought up Phil Kessel's name for a while, so I'm going to talk about that when we speak about Pittsburgh. Kessel, when he was in Toronto, was uh, thought uh, to be miscast as uh, potentially their signature player, but more of a complimentary guy, and that was the role that he found in Pittsburgh. But look at who's leading the, the club in scoring right now. It's not Crosby or Malkin. It's, it's Phil the Thrill. He's counted six points in his last seven games. The Pens have to be breathing easier also now that Matt Murray has come back, returning in good form, allowing only a four, four goals over the two starts since he came off the IR. I'm curious to know, though, AJ, how you handled the narrow loss in Vegas to Fleury and company last week. I've never been so okay, I guess, uh, losing a game. Uh, that that outing uh, was a real joy to watch. Uh, I really, uh, it was nice to see, uh, you know, the flower go, getting a chance to go up against the Penguins. Now that got him to thirty wins uh, or wins against all thirty clubs. Obviously, having just joined the Golden Knights, he hasn't beaten them yet. Uh, but there's not too many netminders out there that can say they've beaten 30 of the team's 31 uh, organizations in his career. So he gets a win. Uh, obviously, the game I'm most looking forward to is the one where he comes back to Pittsburgh. That'll be an exciting night. Now, to go back to the rest of the team, I have some serious concerns of late of what this team's doing. They lost last night to Colorado. They barely got past Arizona. Uh, They just are not playing up to the level of what they can be. They're actually playing down to the level of their competition. And I think this goes across to maybe everybody except Phil Kessel uh, is not living up to expectations. Now, Crosby and Malkin have been fine, but these are guys that are supposed to drive this club. And so the fact that they're not really doing much in terms of winning games for the team 
uh, is definitely a concern. And it's not surprising to see that they're in sixth place in the Metropolitan with how they've been playing lately. Now that does uh, factor in. This is a tough division. They're only four points behind uh, the Blue Jackets for that third spot. So uh, there's a long way to go. But something, I think, needs to change. They need some sort of spark. And I'm looking to Jim Rutherford to maybe bring somebody in uh, that can light a fire under the rest of the team. In San Jose, remember earlier this season when we mused about Brent Burns' inability to hit the score sheet and how those struggles started late in the season last year? You can forget about all that as he's now recorded five goals and four helpers in eight December games. All's apparently well and back to normal for one of the league's premier scoring defensemen, in fact. Justin Braun, a lesser-known and less likely source of offense from the second defense pairing, also has nine points in his last 12 games. This is a sign that the Sharks have rediscovered a formula that's based on many of their goals coming off the rush over the last several seasons. If you're looking for a depth goalie behind all that, Aaron Dell has a personal four-game win streak, allowing only one goal per game in spot starts during the past two weeks. He'll be a free agent coming off the league minimum salary at the end of the season, and you've got to believe there's going to be many suitors looking to see if he can pull this off on a more full-time basis and get a big contract for the youngster. Absolutely, Paul. I think he's uh, this season's anti-Ranta or even Philip Grubauer uh, heading into the offseason. Now, we do have to talk about the Logan Couture injury. He missed Monday's game with a concussion. And as we all know, concussions are notoriously difficult to pin down in terms of timeline. So how long they'll be out with uh, without the 28-year-old uh, is certainly a concern. Now, prior to getting hurt, he had five points in five games. That's exactly what you want from him, a point-per-game production. So how the rest of the team handles his loss and how it stretches the depth will be interesting to see. They did get Michael Boddicker back from uh, from injured reserve, so that should help them a little bit. Paul Martin is still down uh, on that conditioning assignment in the AHL. When he's coming back, I haven't really heard or seen any indication of that. Uh, So there are definitely some injury concerns here, but if they can ride it out, I I think they should be good, especially with Martin Jones uh, backstopping them. In St. Louis, Carter Hutton is yet another backstop who uh backup goalie who should not be overlooked that he's not only recorded a 48 shot shutout over winnipeg last week for his sixth win in nine starts for st louis he may be looking to follow the recent career path of the goalies that you mentioned and aaron dell possibly this summer uh to seek out a starting gig elsewhere for more than his expiring 1.125 million cap hit another guy who may have earned a hefty increase is joel edmondson who's moved up to the top defense pairing on the blue line core with Alex Pietrangelo, and he has recorded six goals and a career-best shots on goal rate, proving that maybe this goal scoring is is sustainable, along with absorbing a heavier workload of 20-plus minutes per game. Well, right now the Blues are tied with Nashville for the lead in the Central Division. But there's some red flags to me that are a little concerning, and it starts with Alexander Steen, who doesn't have a goal in 15 straight games. Eight assists over that stretch, uh, you know, still getting opportunities on the power play. Half of those assists did come with the man advantage, but that's a definite red flag to me. And then you add in that the struggles of Vladimir Sabotka as well. He's pointless in five in a row. So I'm starting to wonder if this team is going to be chased down by some of the other clubs. You know, you've got Winnipeg generally still rolling. The Blackhawks have gotten hot and I'm not sure St. Louis is going to be able to keep up with the Predators and could start to find themselves sliding down those rankings very soon. 
In Tampa, while Alex Kalorn and Yanni Gord have ramped up their productivity in recent games, fellow third liner Corey Conacher's offense has dried up, and it appears now that JT Brown will be getting a look to see if he can be a complimentary piece on this line. Yeah, we're looking for th- new stories around here that don't revolve around the top two lines. Uh, which continue to hum along, AJ. Last week, I raised a little whisper about the slumping offensive game of Victor Hedman on the blue line. He's another big gun on the on the defense around the league that's come through with a more representative uh, performance of late. 13, goal, four, 13 shots on goal, four points, and a plus six rating over his last three games. Well, to your point, Paul, we don't need to harp on this team too much more. Uh, so I'll briefly touch on a situation in, in their game recently with the uh, hit by Eric Johnson on Vladislav Nemesikov. I think that's exactly the type of play that we're trying to get rid of out of the game. Uh, I thought it was ill-advised and poorly timed, especially coming on the heels of having just slashed Nemesikov to start, which is another focus of the league this year. Uh, Johnson got the two-game suspension and well-deserved. I think it's just fortunate that Nemesikov wasn't hurt on that play because it could have been really bad. And the Lightning could be looking at having one of their top guys out for a significant amount of time based on how that play uh, went and how it looked when he went crashing into the boards. Finally, we got to Toronto. and There was a lot of concern over the impending contracts that would be due young players like Mitch Marner and Willie Nylander, but these guys may be doing the club a huge favor by having subpar offensive years <laughs> to date, AJ. In the long run, they will be big scorers. I don't think that anybody doubts that, but right now they haven't spent, they haven't got enough of a history to build their cases, and they're both struggling to find the back of the net, combining for five goals between them so far this year or something of that ilk. I was not thrilled with the team's 0-3 road trip last week either, where they had a team-wide scoring drought that seems to have grabbed hold. Austin Matthews is another young star who generates as much noise as any player you can think of just because he's out of the lineup with a mysterious ailment right now. And I believe it's concussion-related for the most part. He may well sit out uh, their last two preseason games, including this afternoon's tilt, their 100th anniversary game. On the other side, uh, people joining the roster, Connor Carrick draws back into the defensive rotation with an injury that's going to keep Nikita Zaitsev out of the lineup. That's a big loss because Zaitsev has been a big part of their shorthanded play and real stabilizing force on their top four defensemen. Well, one guy that also is going to get a chance due to some injuries is Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, this is a player that highly touted uh, coming out, you know, coming out of uh, juniors there, or I'm sorry, coming out of uh, Finland and has lived up to expectations in the minors so far. Last season with the Marlies, he averaged a point per game. He's got eight goals and four assists uh, in 16 games with, with the AHL club and gets called up. Uh, this time around, and pots a goal against Detroit in the most recent game. I think if he gets a long-term look uh, at a shot you know, on the 23-man roster, this is somebody who may not let go of that opportunity. And Josh Levo could be watching uh, his uh, role taking over as Catherine comes in. I really like this kid. Uh, not that Detroit needs any more young talent uh, to highlight their roster, but Casper Kapanen is one to really keep an eye out, especially for listeners that are in some of those deeper keeper leagues. I think he's got some huge potential. 
In Vancouver, despite combining for 11 points in their last five games, the Sedin Twins are owned in less than half of all season-long formats, AJ. Thomas Vanek, who is scoreless in his last five outings, is currently slated to fill out that line this week, so maybe he gets a bit of a boost just by hanging around these guys. Uh, Louis Erickson was in that unit, but now lines up on a second line to see if he can snap out of his own eight-game scoreless slide. So again, a meritocracy rules here in Vancouver. In the absence of a few of the young guns who carried this team earlier, of the season these oldies not named Sedin need to come through to fan the Canucks playoff hopes yeah to your point Paul they had a young top line of Sven Berchi, Bo Horvat, and Brock Boser that were producing at a huge clip and really driving this team Horvat and Berchi are already on IR Boser had a cat scan on his uh, foot and that doesn't have me feeling real good about his chances of being back anytime soon. So to have basically your entire top line out, it's really going to stretch the depth of this club and put the pressure on the Sedins to produce at a level that they normally were uh, but didn't have to this season. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. I think if those guys, those three young guys are out for too much longer, this club's chances of a postseason run uh, may dry up pretty quickly. In Vegas, we've already talked about what might be the most important game they'll play this year as they edge the Pens last week. I say so because we all keep waiting for their bubble to burst. In fact, it may not, folks. Uh, Eric Halla is their latest forward to go on a bit of a scoring tear with a six-game streak where he's counted eight points. There was also a nice spike in ownership for this player who was flanked by quality finishers Perron and Neal. Even though Fleury is back and will play a lot, don't bail on Malcolm Subban, who extended a personal win streak to four games with his lone start last week. Yeah, this team just, it, it doesn't seem to, prior to Fleury coming back, it didn't seem to matter who was in goal anyway. So now if you can get that top-level talent uh, in Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes, I think this is a dangerous team. You look at the standings, technically they're sitting in second place behind uh Los Angeles, but they've got three games in hand on on the Kings. So I think this team, not only, you know, I said they would be a playoff team, but even I didn't predict they might win the Pacific Division. But as it continues on, it's looking more and more like that's going to be the case. And another perennial playoff contender, the Washington Caps got TJ Oshie looking like he's ready to return to the active roster, bringing this club back to full strength with the team rolling to seven wins in their last eight games you know they're getting production from everywhere brett Connolly, in fact has four goals in that stretch as a third liner oddly that's on only seven shots on goal so i'm not sure if that's sustainable it's just pretty a pretty lucky streak right now but we'll have to bear keep an eye on that that's pretty good marksmanship matt niskanen normally a consistent scoring blue liner got off to a very slow start uh, himself uh, but he too, like a number of other veteran demon that we pointed out most recently, seems to be getting uh, hot. Uh, he's caught fire with five points in his last six games. Well, and you look at a guy like Jakob Vrana, who's got three points in his last three games. He's probably most going to benefit from the return of TJ Oshi. Uh, that makes a really solid second line Vrana, Kuznetsov, and Oshi. It'll be interesting to see how long they want to keep Oshie in a second-line role and keep Tom Wilson on that top top line. Oh, Paul, you highlighted earlier about him not really being a fit there, but uh, it seems to at least be working somewhat yeah. for them. Yeah. I totally agree. I don't think he's necessarily the right guy for that role, but as long as he's making it work and they can stretch some of their scoring depth across the rest of their lineup, why not keep doing it? 
And finally, with the Winnipeg Jets, they always seem to get scoring from their defense. And I spoke of a rejuvenated Tyler Myers finding the score sheet with regularity in the past couple of weeks. We haven't seen that out of him for years. More recently, though, you could add the name of Josh Morrissey, who's got four points in his last five games and is on pace for a career season, career best season of 30 points or in that range anyway. It's performances like these that have allowed the Jets to continue to roll along without Bufflin and Enstrom, two big losses on their back end that so far they're managing to uh, overcome. Yeah, and it looked like Connor Hellebuck might be starting to cool off a little bit. Uh, He had a stretch where he gave up four-plus goals on, on three of four nights. Uh, But you look at his most recent outing, a shutout performance against the Blues, and that might be just what he needs to get back to being, you know, the dominant netminder that he was for much of uh, the early part of the season. And if he's uh, clicking and Steve Mason's healthy now and he can, you know, spell Hellebuck here and there for a decent outing, he's given up, you know, just uh, five goals in his last three appearances. Uh, So perfectly acceptable numbers for a backup there. Uh, I think this team, uh, as I said earlier, could really uh, challenge St. Louis for that second spot in the division and potentially even push Nashville. Uh, Both those clubs going head-to-head tonight, so that'll be one of the games to watch, in my opinion. AJ, it's time to give a nod to our friends at FanDuel, reminding people that while the season is running running down uh, fantasy football is there still for everyday fans there's new contests that start every week no busted seasons something for everyone and lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar just pick a contest choose your team and watch your score in real time now uh, as we get down to the end of the season the games are really becoming more meaningful but what a wild finish to week 15 that Steelers Patriots game was a classic though the strange events of the last two minutes had me shaking my head that went double for the Cowboys Raiders game that ended on quarterback cars fumble through the end zone the race for the wild card is crazy in the NFC. On a personal note, my team advanced to the finals of the prestigious Jay Grizz Fantasy Sports Show League. I've already won a very nice trophy for my first place finish in the regular season, but I want to bookend it with a WWE-style championship belt that they're offering. My co-host, though, has to be disappointed that Aaron Rodgers' return didn't go as planned. Your thoughts on Week 15, partner? Yeah, when the Packers got that onside kick, which, you know, never happens, Uh, (laughs) but it actually worked for once. It just felt like we were destined for another overtime game, which would have been our third in a row. And you have to imagine, you know, Aaron Rodgers in overtime, uh, Packers Nation was feeling pretty confident, but alas, it just wasn't to be. I think the biggest impact this is going to have is for, you know, listeners out there that may have stashed Rodgers, hoping he could help them with a playoff push. You're probably going to be extra disappointed as it sounds like the team may just shut him down after being eliminated from playoff contention, uh, which in my opinion is the right call as much as I'm one of those owners that's going to be affected by him not playing the last two games. Yeah, I think that's something they have to do, protecting their major asset there. There's no sense burning him and risking him in games that don't mean a thing this year. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription, plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than 1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash rw. Of course, contests are voided where prohibited. AJ, it's time for our FanDuel DFS segment. Why don't you run through tonight's schedule, please? 
Yeah, so as Paul mentioned, you you can play in the all-day slate uh, that will include that Maple Leafs-Hurricanes game that's at uh, 2 o'clock today. Uh, but for the main slate, you're looking at starting off. You got Minnesota at Ottawa. Uh, the Wild are minus 110 in that outing. Uh, so that one's going to be really tight. You've got Detroit traveling to New York. Uh, the Islanders minus 180 in that contest, a six over under. That's one of the higher ones of the night. Anaheim at the Rangers. So a couple of uh, New York contests uh, tonight. Uh, that one, no line on that as far as I can see right now. You've got Boston coming off the back-to-back, traveling to Buffalo, who, uh, interestingly enough, it looks like perhaps the Sabres are the favorite in that. I wonder if that has to do with the Bruins uh, being uh, you know, not only on the road. Uh, actually, I looks like my uh, stat number there was wrong. It's the Bruins are favored minus 165, which makes way more sense. I wasn't yeah. sure why Buffalo was favored in that yeah. to begin with. Yeah. Uh, you got Winnipeg traveling to Nashville. Uh, we've talked all season long about how hard it is to play in Bridgestone Arena. So understandably, the Predators minus 165 favorites in that one. And then Washington traveling to Dallas. Stars actually favored minus 120. That's a slight home edge there. Uh, ultimately, I don't know that I would take that. I think I'll take the Capitals in that one, Agreed. even on the road. Agreed. Getting into the later games. You've got the Panthers at Arizona, uh, Florida minus 120 in that one. Tampa Bay uh, heading to the this, uh, to the desert to play the Golden Knights. Uh, no line on that as far as I can see, uh, but I do anticipate uh, Tampa would probably be favored in that one, even on the road. And then the last game of the evening, Montreal at Vancouver. You got the Canadians a minus 145 in that one. For me, as I said, the game of the night. It's got to be Winnipeg-Nashville. These are two top teams in their division uh, going head-to-head, although I do really like the Tampa Bay-Vegas uh, game as well. Paul, any that jump out to you other than your game that you're going to today at 2 o'clock? Well, first of all, I'll add that the te- there is a line on my end that I see for Tampa favored by minus 130 with an over-under of 6 against Vegas. That's a compelling game just to see if the magic in Las Vegas can t- continue against what I think is the best team in the NHL. So that's the one I'll watch at night. Of course, late night, Carey Price goes home to Van City. That's another one that always grabs me because I like seeing a, a star going back to his hometown, and Carey loves to play in Vancouver and maybe needs that start to get his game back in order. And, of course, as soon as I get done with the editing of this show, I'll be off on my trek to the Air Canada Centre to watch the Leafs in Carolina. I don't understand why they've got Carolina as the visitors. I was hoping for maybe an original six team, but uh, the NHL just doesn't seem to be thinking too favorably about Canadian teams these days. So kind of goes hand in hand, hand in glove with, in my opinion, Gary Bettman, who doesn't give too much of a uh, uh crap i'll say about the canadian teams in the nhl so there's your hot take on this episode <laughs> your uh, picks for the fan duel lineups of the night all right well i kind of tease this a little bit i'm gonna go full in on a florida center stack here and go with barkov and trocheck tonight i like the matchup against arizona uh they're relatively discounted barkov 6800 trocheck 6700 so i think uh hot hands great matchup and not having to pay too much. I think they're definitely guys to use. I'm going to use both, but certainly you could use one or the other tonight uh, somewhat interchangeably. 
at the wing, I'm going to start off with Nikita Kucherov. Yes, his price tag is 9000 He's going up against a decent netminder, uh, a solid netminder in Marc-Andre Fleury. But this guy has been so hot this season. I think it's hard not to use him and find a way to get him into your lineup uh, on a night-to-night basis. On the flip side of that contest, I like James Neal tonight, 7300 Again, a pretty big price tag. Not necessarily the most favorable matchup going against Vasilevsky, but both these guys have produced throughout the season regardless of who they're going up against. Now, to take advantage of some matchups, I'm going to go with Jordan Eberle, Paul, who you highlighted, 5300 tonight. At home against Detroit, whose goaltending situation has been a mess. And then Jake DeBrusque, $4,000 tonight. He faces off against Buffalo. And uh, yes, there are some uh, reasons to, to like the Sabres, but they continue to struggle and just not put it all together. So using some Boston guys, uh, certainly worth a look tonight. Defensively, I saved a little bit of money. I'm going to go Mikhail Sergachev for Tampa Bay. Uh, and he's been uh, a, quite the hot hand of late. He's got two goals, two assists in his last four games. He puts plenty of pucks on net over that stretch. So even when he's not necessarily scoring, he's still going to give you some value uh, in your FanDuel contest. And then on the other end, I'm going to go with Josh Manson at Anaheim. Now, admittedly, I'm trying to catch lightning in a bottle here. 3700 is the price tag tonight. Three assists in his last two games. Uh, but he's certainly capable of putting up a stinker on me as well. Uh, so hoping that his hot hand continues and trying, as I said, to, to capitalize on that. In goal, this is totally matchup related, saving myself some money in order to use a guy like Kucherov. Uh, Anton Kudobin tonight is going to get the start for Boston. I like the matchup with Buffalo, even though he's on the road. Uh, I mentioned Kudobin had those two poor outings, but I think uh, he's going to be able to take advantage of that matchup. And I saved some significant dough by getting him for just 7400 So that's what I did with my lineup. I don't know. Uh, how does yours stick out, Paul? Do you agree with any of my uh, my plays there? Well, I love the fact that you got Kucherov in there and Neil too. They're two hot sticks. And, and uh, Kudobin, I think, is a pretty solid call in goal just because I think Boston seems to have Buffalo's number year after year. So uh, I like the way you went about putting your lineup together. And Sergeyev certainly has delivered the goods in his rookie season, hasn't he? Still a price tag that's very low for me at $4,700. So I like some of the picks there, but I like my roster even more, pal. And here <laughs> it is. At center ice, I've got John Tavares, who led all scorers last week, and I believe that hot stack stick continues to deliver against a Detroit Red Wings team that's visiting the Islanders tonight. Then I pair him with Kyle Touris. I already told you, one of the hottest shooters in the NHL of late, spitting seamlessly over there, and uh, it's a tough out at home, and I think uh, Touris takes advantage of the home cooking tonight to build on a good value on his $5,700 price tag. Tyler Johnson's a guy I highlighted in Tampa last week as one of the hotter scorers. He's continued that pace, and I think uh, he revs the engine tonight against Vegas at 10 o'clock, $5,700 his price tag. You talked about my affinity for Tom Wilson as a first-liner in Washington. I think he's been very good at riding shotgun with the big guns there and will return value at $4,500 tonight. Josh Bailey's been a premier scorer on uh, Tavares' flank, so I pair him 
in a bit of a mini stack for $6,400 against the visiting wings. And then you spoke of the big guys and the Florida offense. Jonathan Huberdeau certainly qualifies there. And he, he is a good value against a, a very weird uh, setup in Arizona where they just can't find a winning formula. $6,400 the price tag for him. And I'll pick the young defenseman too, Charlie McAvoy of the Bruins. I also like that matchup for the visitors, despite the fact they're on the second of back-to-backs. It won't affect a youngster like McAvoy. $4,400 the price tag for a guy who fits into their offense and uh, the power play unit uh, from the back end. And Matt Dumba is the other defenseman that I pair him with. He's been on a bit of a scoring tear of late. Still hasn't reflected in his price tag. It's still down there at $4,300. And I think that he's a good value against Ottawa in the nation's capital uh, Minnesota, I think the better team structurally there, and Dumba will be a part of that uh, matchup. Then finally in goal, I, I saved some money elsewhere, so I went big, and I got Braden Holtby in my lineup. He's been one of the hottest goalies again this year, and goes in against Dallas. Uh, the Capitals game is is in order of late, as we talked about, and I think uh, Holtby receipts for the victory there. That gives me a big point total tonight. What does the Rotowire Optimizer has have in store for us, AJ? Well, to start off the optimizer, uh, enjoying my pick of Vincent Trocek uh, for 6700 It's going to utilize him paired with Eric Stahl at the center position, 6200 Certainly can't fault it for that. Ottawa has struggled of late as well. Uh, the optimizer will pay up big for a couple of wingers here, starting with Alexander Ovechkin, 8800 and then Blake Wheeler for 7600 Now, it gets a little strange for me after there. Uh, optimizer going with a... Heavy, heavy Winnipeg stack at Nashville tonight. I've I've talked repeatedly about how I don't like that, but uh, we'll see how it shakes up, obviously, tonight. Nikolai Ehlers for 5,400. Any other night, I think that's a great call. Uh, But tonight is just not the matchup for it, in my opinion. Mitch Mardner rounding out the wingers for Toronto, 4,100. If he can produce at a level we've seen in, you know, last season, 4,100 is a steal for him. Uh, going back to Winnipeg, Jakub Truba uh, for forty five hundred. I love this pick again. Any other night, but tonight uh, he's really produced. Justin Bufflin being out, I think, is going to boost uh, Truba's looks. Uh, and then Justin Falk for Carolina, thirty nine hundred. That's a pretty low value for a guy that can produce, although he really hasn't this season. And then in goal, the optimizer is going to use Connor Hellybuck as that final jet stack seventy seven hundred. Uh, his price tag again doesn't reflect, uh, in my opinion, his value. And so maybe that's what the optimizer is thinking with these guys because Ehlers for 5,400, Truba for 4,500, and Hellybuck for 7,700 all seem undervalued to me as far as price point. But that's when they're not facing Nashville at home. I agree. That's probably the sentiment expressed by an unsentimental optimizer tonight. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we'll continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. But now it's on to the stud of the week and I look no further than the guy who led all shooters last week and that's one John Tavares. He may be one of the most underrated and yet consistent top scorers of this entire salary cap era. Speaking of salaries, his contract will expire at the end of this season and he'll be looking for a hefty raise from his current 5.5 million dollar cap hit he may also be looking to move away from this new york islanders situation which has not really rewarded him with much playoff success there's lots of questions for him to ponder in fact the ongoing arena noise continues the situation needs to be sorted out very soon it might factor in his decision right now they're among the lowest teams in league attendance that's also going to factor in 
A deep offensive-minded roster surrounds him, though, for the first time in his career, though it's far from a serious contender in my book at the moment. So does he want to play in a bigger Canadian market? I wonder about that. He'll be very newsworthy until his new contract is signed. All his options are open, and that's not a bad future to contemplate if you're a 27-year-old dominant player in this league. Well, I think all the reasons that you mentioned as question marks for the team are why Tavares kind of flies under the radar, relatively speaking. I mean, doing great things on a bad team, as he has for quite a while, just doesn't make you stand out, unfortunately. Um, I'd be surprised if he's back next year. And if that's the case, uh, I think he should consider being open to a trade this year and then decide his long-term future after potentially uh, trying to help a team make a cup run. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't foresee a situation. Why wouldn't the Islanders, rather than losing for nothing, consider trading him? They'll probably have to retain some of that 5.5 salary, but it's off the books then heading into next season. Uh, and so I, I do think they need to seriously consider a trade. Now, Tavares obviously has the, the no trade clause, and so he has to factor into that decision. Uh, but I, I can't imagine he's going to stick around for all the reasons that you highlighted. And then in the rant of the week, not too many of the best players are going to be going to the Olympics in a few weeks. Uh, we've been treated to the best on best in other sports on a very regular basis. In hockey, however, we've seen that in very few of the recent, in only a few of the recent Olympics and sporadic special tournaments like the Canada Cup and World Cup tourneys. But no regular event is on the calendar for the foreseeable future, and that stinks. The current crop of players have star, star, stars that grew up but aspire to represent their countries on the world stage. And now they and we all wonder when the next such event even might take place. That seems odd when we see the NHL schedule games in foreign lands as a part of their regular schedule. If the powers that be really want hockey to be a world game, let's see the best on the world's best stage. And that's the Olympics right now. Absolutely. And I think you've hit on the biggest quandary in this whole thing. Uh, the NHL is promoting hockey international with preseason games in China and the Stockholm series, but isn't going to let the best of the best head to the Olympics. That just doesn't make sense. Now, fortunately for the quality of the game we're going to see there, the KHL isn't being nearly as stubborn and will let their players go. And that's despite the Russian Olympic ban, which is a whole nother rant for a different day uh, if we really want to get into it. But uh, I do think you make a great point there, Paul, about how we're trying to promote the game internationally, uh, but then not letting our players play in the biggest international tournament. It yeah. just doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree I, with that. Uh, that's an easy one for us today, and I hope that they get get that fixed. Well, that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL on December the 26th for the next episode of PuckCast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy contests. want to wish all our listeners the very best of the holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to all. So long, everybody. <laughs>